Welcome everyone and happy Easter. It's Beaches Chapel Easter service online. This is, uh, this is certainly a different way to be celebrating Easter, but you know what? I am so excited. I got my suit on and I know you all feel guilty because you're in your pajamas right now and I'm looking all fresh and smooth, but that's okay. I'm glad you're comfortable and I'm glad you're tuning in. And listen, we are going to celebrate this morning, no matter if we're in a church together, if we're watching in our homes, because you know what? No matter where we're watching, no matter what's going on in the world, the Bible doesn't change. The scripture doesn't change. The truth and the good news of Jesus Christ does not change. And so for that, we are going to celebrate this morning. And I'm excited about what God has to say to us this morning. But before we get to that, I do want to give a couple of announcements, everything that's going on here at Beaches Chapel. Uh, The first is one that you've heard before, uh, you know, campus-wide ministries uh, for the foreseeable future are shut down. So that means no kids ministry on Wednesday nights, no youth ministry on Wednesday nights. Nothing else that we normally do uh, during the week is happening right now. But as soon as we get the green light, we're going to ramp that stuff back up, including our Sunday services. And so just, uh, you know, be aware of all that stuff. You, the best way to know what's going on at Beaches Chapel is to download our app. Um, also to follow us on social media, whether it's Facebook or Instagram. We are putting daily devotionals out every Monday through Friday. Uh, Jason Trent, our youth ministry director, is doing uh, devotionals for the youth ministry on Wednesdays. You can, you can find those at our Instagram, uh, Beaches Chapel Youth Ministries Instagram page. We have a Beaches Chapel worship page. We have our school page. They're doing a lot of stuff, interactive with our students. Just all sorts of stuff that's going on. And and, and if I'm being honest right now, through this whole pandemic, we're probably more involved in your lives on a day-to-day basis than we ever were before. So we're excited about that. We're we're glad that God kind of pushed us out into that. So make sure to follow us on Facebook. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, on all those things. And uh, and that's the best way to kind of just keep engaged with what's going on here. And, uh, you know, also, if you have a prayer request, if you have anything that you need, anything financial, if you need someone to make a grocery run for you, please call the church, 904-241-4211, or email us uh, at info at beacheschapel.com. We're checking those things regularly, and we are here to serve you, to pray for you. And uh, just because we're not meeting together does not mean that we can't serve and, and, and walk with one another together though from a distance during this time. So please, you know, don't sit at home and, um, and have a need and not express it because we are here to serve you and to meet those needs. So again, you can call the church, you can email the church um, and just reach out to us in any way, but know that we love you. We miss y'all and we are praying for you. Also, lastly, uh, you can give online. You can give your tithes uh, to the website, beacheschapel.com. Just click on the giving tab and that'll walk you through how to do that. You can do that through the app as well. And uh, I just want to, again, say thank you for those that continue to tithe, that continue to give. We, have, we had a great tithe last week. And uh, listen, we are certainly, certainly grateful for that. Um, if you would rather write a check or give a cash offering, you can drive up to the church office Monday through Thursday, anytime before 2 p.m. during the day. And there's a little drop box right outside the church office. You can slip it in there. And our business office is, is uh, collecting those at the end of the workday, which for them right now is at 2 p.m. So uh, you can give that way as well. If you have any questions about anything that's going on, if you just are concerned about anything, please, again, call us, reach out to us. We are here for you. So right now, why don't we pray over our tithes and uh, then we'll get to our message this morning. Father, we thank you so much, Jesus, um, that you continue to be a God who supplies, uh, continue to be a God that meets our needs, Jesus. And we, we are just gonna continue to stand on the truth that when this whole pandemic is over, and, um, and we come out of it, Lord, that one of the best testimonies that we're going to be able to share with people is how you provided for us 
through this whole thing, God. You met our needs, God. And so we thank you, Jesus, that we can give to you in full trust, with full confidence, God, knowing that you are going to take care of us. And we just ask that you would bless these tithes, Father. God, that you would multiply them for your kingdom, God. That people are going to know you because of the gifts that you allow us to give back to you. So God, again, we pray your blessing over these tithes, every household that gives, Father. God, we pray a blessing over them as well. You be God of our finances, Jesus, because in that you can do more with them than we ever thought possible. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. I am excited about this morning. Uh, again, it is not the, the way we thought things were gonna go for Easter. And uh, you know, just to be completely open and candid with y'all, when I started preaching for Beaches Chapel back in August, you know, Easter, it was one of those Sundays that I had circled on my calendar. And you know, I started to get excited thinking about this was gonna be the first Easter for me to preach at. And you know, um, just all sorts of emotions about that. A lot of very humbling, very exciting, very a little nervous too. Um, it certainly wasn't like this, how I had envisioned, to an empty room with all of you watching from home. But as it got closer and closer and we realized that this was the reality of the situation, what started with disappointment, if I'm being honest, turned to excitement because I believe now more than ever, we need to have Easter in our lives. With everything going on in the world, we need to have a reason to celebrate. And, and I believe that God put Easter right smack dab in the middle of this pandemic to bring us back to the ultimate truth. And that is that Jesus died for us because he loves us. And if we can have that truth, then everything else, every worry, every concern pales in comparison to that. If we can just cling to that truth that Jesus loved us so much that he died on the cross and he was raised again for us, then everything else kind of shrinks, doesn't it? And so this morning, as we are gathering together apart in our living rooms, certainly different than what is normal for Easter, I have to say I am so thrilled that God put Easter right where he did during this whole thing because we can celebrate knowing that God, the creator of all things, loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us but that it wasn't, it wasn't done there. He was raised from the dead so that we could know him and spend eternity with him. What an amazing miracle. What an amazing thing to celebrate. And so we're doing that, not just together as Beaches Chapel, but with every church in our community, in the country, and in the world. The name of Jesus is being celebrated in the midst of this pandemic. Hallelujah. That is something to be excited about. Amen? All right, so we're going to uh, look this morning at a few verses. And... You know, something that I really love to do when I read the Bible is to, to kind of unearth those little things that have all this depth to them. And, and you might have noticed that in, in how I preach sometimes. I just like to take and pick apart a little thing and, and just dig deep into it. But this morning, we're not going to do that. We're going to read the scripture and, and celebrate the beautiful simplicity of the, of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus Christ. And you can go deep in it, certainly, because it is a deep topic. Jesus, God dying for us. But what you can also do is just understand how beautifully, again, simplistic it is and how you don't need to go deep because it's all right there. It's all right there. It, it's right in front of us. And so this morning, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna read through these and just celebrate God's love for us. And we're gonna start in Matthew chapter 28 beginning in verse one. But before we get there, you know, we just had our Good Friday service 
And we ended that sermon with those three powerful words of Jesus on the cross as he's about to die. And he says, it is finished. And we talked about at the end of that sermon how, yes, it was finished. The sacrifice, the death, the brutality of the moment was over. The sacrifice had been made and that was finished. But truthfully, things were just getting ramped up. Things were just getting started. And so as we ended with it is finished, we're gonna begin with three very powerful words that really set things into motion from here on out. And though, yes, it was, it was finished, things have just begun. So we are gonna start in Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse one. And it says, after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. And I, I love the, this picture that the this, this scripture paints here. It's almost, it, it kind of makes me laugh a little bit because we have this angel from heaven and he rolls this stone away and he's just chilling on it. He's just, he's just sitting right there on it, just relaxing, right? And uh, I just think it's so casual to me that this angel has come down. And he's just chilling on a stone, right? And so it says, uh, continuing on in verse three, his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Here we see yet another illustration of the enemy up against God, right? We have this angel that is down from heaven, does not say a word, right? Just his mere appearance is enough for these guards to, to shake and to fall like dead men. If that again doesn't speak to the authority of God, I'm not sure what does. Okay, let's keep going. It says, the angel, verse five, said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. And here are those three words. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see this place where he lay. Hallelujah, that's it right there. It is finished was on Good Friday. But now the angel says to them, and what we can say until we go home to heaven is he is risen. We can speak that into every fear, every doubt, every worry, and every concern. He is risen. Every time that we get afraid, every time we turn on the news and we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, we can say those three words. And it ushers in a truth and a peace and a confidence in us. He is risen. Say that to the face of the enemy next time that you're, you're up against it. No, 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 I'm not gonna believe that. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to, to walk in fear. Why? Because he is risen. And why was he risen? For me. He and he's risen for you. I, there's, there's no other faith. There's no other religion. There's nothing else that can say what the Bible says right here, that God in the form of Jesus came down and died for us and is risen again for us. Every other religion, everything else says it's up to us to do something. But only in Jesus can we look to our God and see God who says, I'm going to do it for you. It's amazing. And what I, something I want to point out in these verses that we just read was that little bit where it says that the angel rolled the stone away. Okay, and I want to point that out because the angel didn't roll the stone away so that Jesus could get out. He rolled the stone away so that we could go in and see that he wasn't there. It was for our benefit that the stone was rolled away, not Jesus's. As a matter of fact, if you go back to Matthew 27 and look in verse, I believe it's 66, it, the Pharisees actually order the stone and the tomb to be sealed up completely. 
to be sealed up completely. And when I read this, I, I, this is just my mind, okay? But I, I can think about God on the throne, right? And he's looking down at this feeble attempt to try and keep Jesus in the tomb. And I think he's clapping, going, yeah, seal that tomb up. Do everything you can. Put the guards outside of it. Why don't you throw three more stones in front of it and seal those up too? Do everything that you possibly can in your power to keep Jesus in that tomb. Because all that's gonna do is prove more his power and his love for us. You see, Jesus didn't need the stone removed for him to get out of the tomb. Actually, if you go and you look in John chapter 20, it talks about how when they went into the tomb, they saw the cloth that Jesus was wrapped in and they see the linen that he was wrapped in and it's laying there on the table that, where Jesus' body was. And it doesn't say that it was all torn about. It was actually laying as if there was still a body there, but there was no body. And what that suggests to us is that when Jesus was raised from the dead, he didn't wake up with all this, all this wrapping around him and then just, just start tearing at it and take it off. It actually, that he just came out of it. And, and the wrapping and the cloth and the linen just laid there in perfect place. It's amazing how Jesus didn't need someone to get him out of the tomb. When, when, when we talk about him being resurrected, this was, he was out. All right, he was out of that tomb completely. And it's, it's amazing that no cross could keep him and no sealed tomb, not even the cloth that he was wrapped in could keep him from, from, from being out of the tomb and from loving us. It was the power of his love for us that got him out. So when the angel, when the angel moves the stone, it wasn't so Jesus could get out. He was already out. It was so that we could go in and see for ourselves that the tomb was empty and that death had been defeated and that love conquered all. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And so what I want to do now is I actually want to go backwards in the story. He is risen. Jesus is risen. So let's kind of go back. I want to read some of Jesus's words and just kind of study what he said before all of this transpired. And we're just going to go back a chapter into Matthew 27. And we're going to look at verse 51, and what, is, what we're going to read about is what happened right after Jesus breathed his last breath. And this is just one of the four miracles that occurs. But this one to me is, if I'm being honest again, is, is just my favorite. And so we're going to look at it this morning. And it's, it's uh, again, verse 51 in Matthew 27, and it says, At that moment, again, right after Jesus breathed his last breath, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And this is both a literal miracle, but it also is there's a very figurative in, in, uh, meaning behind this as well. You see, there was a very thick temple, uh, excuse me, very thick curtain in the temple that uh, separated, it, it, it physically separated us, or truthfully, the high priest from God. And so if you, if you look back at Exodus, when God's instructing Moses on how to build the temple, there's the holy place, and then there's a curtain or a veil, and then there is the most holy place. And in the most holy place, the only person that could go into that was the, was the high priest, was the chief priest, that one, that one priest, the, the, the highest of the high, right? And he only went in once a year, and he, it was to atone for our sins. He was offering a sacrifice as an atonement for the people's sins. And, and as Jesus breathes his last breath, what God is doing literally and figuratively, is he's tearing that curtain and that veil. And he's saying, no more. 
No more is just the chief priest allowed into this most holy place, but I am now opening up the doors, right? I am, I am making a way for everybody to come into this most holy place. There is no separation where there was sin and there was holiness. Now the two can come together. And what I find so interesting, I, I heard this said once, and I think it's a great illustration, is when the, when the chief priest would come and he would offer that, that sacrifice, that day of atonement, it's kind of like when you or any of us gather credit card debt and we get that bill in the mail that we know is coming and we, we have the total debt that, we, that we've accrued. And then on that bottom line, it says minimum amount due. And it was like the, the chief priest, when he would go in once a year, he was paying the minimum amount due. But really, the minimum amount due is nothing compared to our total debt. It's really a very small fraction. And so as he was paying this minimum amount due, Jesus came and when he died on the cross and he was raised again, he paid off the entire debt. He paid off the entire debt, not just for that bill, but for every bill that was ever going to come in our lifetime. He said, I got it and I'm gonna wipe away every debt that you have. So no more is it about the minimum amount due. Jesus said, it's already paid for. And so because of that, now you have entrance. You have entrance into the most holy place. It's an amazing, amazing thing. In John 14, 1, it says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And, you know, right now we're spending a lot of time in our own homes. And it can, for some of us, maybe it feels like the walls are closing in on us a little. Like we're maybe even getting a little claustrophobic in our homes. But truth be told, you know, our homes are our place where we feel most ourselves. You know, you can, you can go to other people's houses and enjoy their company and they can be family and friends and you love them and, and be, be very relaxed at their house. But nothing is like your own home. You know, my house is, is, is far from special, right? It doesn't, we don't have a pool in the backyard. We don't, we don't have hardly any natural light whatsoever, anything like that. But it's my home and it's where I feel like myself and when we read in John 14, when God tears open the, the curtain, when he tears it from top to bottom and he says, come on in, he's saying, come into my home. In other words, what he's saying is, look, I'm not asking you to be anything you're not. When we go to our own home, the reason that we love it is because we can just be ourselves. And it's important for us to understand when God calls us, he is not calling us to be a version of something that we are not. He's calling us to be the very thing that we were created to be. And when we answer the call of God, and when he opens those doors, when he has torn the veil, and he's saying, come on in, he's calling us to be who we are. And you know, in my home, as much as, as comfortable as I am, and as much as I enjoy being there, it is not without stress and worry and concern and anxiety at times. But when we go into that most holy place, none of those things exist. We're just being ourselves in the presence of God. And so when Jesus breathed his last breath, what God did in that moment was he said, come on in. He opened the front doors of his home and he said, come on in. And we don't need to be scared about going into that most holy place. We don't have to think that we have to be anybody else. 
We just need to be ourselves. And as we go into that most holy place with God, we will realize how comfortable it is and how it is the most peaceful place that we could ever imagine, far beyond even our own homes. I want to look now in Luke chapter 15. And the whole chapter of Luke uh, 15 is comprised of three parables that all say basically the same thing in different ways. And I want to look at them this morning and, and understand exactly what it's like when we go home to Jesus. And I'm not talking about death. I'm not talking about heaven. I'm talking about when we turn to him and we go to him here on earth in this life. What happens when we make that decision to follow after him? So the first parable starts in verse three. It says, then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. So we see in verse six, he takes the lost sheep and where does he go? He goes home. And then what happens when he gets home? He says, rejoice with me. Okay, then the next parable, starting in verse eight. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says what? Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. And then the last parable, it's a longer one, so I'm gonna kind of uh, paraphrase it a little bit. It's the parable of the prodigal son. And this parable starts off with this son going to his father and says, hey, I want my inheritance now so I can leave this house. And basically what that translates to is the son telling his father, why don't we act as if you were dead and you go ahead and give me my inheritance now and I'm gonna go live a totally separate life away from here and you're never gonna see me again. So let's, I'd rather, I'd rather just do that now than have to wait around for you to die than I get my inheritance. Why don't you just give it to me now, right? Let's just cut out the middleman. That's what he tells his father. And he goes and he lives this extravagant life and he blows all this money and he ends up basically to a point where he's starving to death, okay? And then all of a sudden he comes to his senses. And this is what it says, picking up in the parable, starting in Luke 15, verse 18. He says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So what do we see here in these three parables is a sheep, a coin, and a son were all lost. And then they were returned home. And there was a major celebration. Here's what wasn't in any of those parables. There wasn't the shepherd chastising the one lost sheep. What were you doing? What were you thinking? Why couldn't you have just stuck with the other 99? You see what I had to do? I had to come find you? Why would you do that? That's not in there at all. The shepherd picks up the lost sheep and he carries him home. 
he carries him home to make sure that he wouldn't get lost again. And then there was great rejoicing in the house. The woman who finds the lost coin doesn't throw it out and say, well, that was worthless. You know, I don't need this anymore. But actually calls everyone over to rejoice. And then finally, the father, after the son treated the father the way that he did, says, come on home. I'm going to dress you in nice clothes and we are going to celebrate you being home. And that is God with us. He does not wait for us to turn around and then chastise us and yell at us and ridicule and scold us and say, how dare you live like that? What were you thinking? He says, I'm going to throw a party. And I'm telling you right now, there, there is a party going on in heaven on this Easter Sunday as more and more people hear the truth and the love of God and they turn to him. There is a celebration going on right now in heaven for all those that have been found today. And I'm believing this morning that that celebration is going to continue on and it's going to continue on and it's going to continue on. But I want to tell this last story. I want to tell this last story, and it's in Luke chapter 14. And it's Jesus' words again. And this is the story that he tells, and, and it's, it's directed at us. It says, starting in verse 16, Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. And so here we have two very different groups, but invitation to all. And I want to ask this morning, very bluntly to you, which one are you? Are you the one that has an excuse every time you're invited in to know Jesus? And to you, it might seem like a very good excuse. Well, I have this, I'm just busy with life. I got the kids, I got soccer practice and I got work is killing me. You know, I barely see my wife, and well, you know, all this stuff. I, Listen, whatever. Are you the one that has the excuse? Or are you the one that's going to accept the invitation? Because what we see here is there is no qualification, okay? The party that's happening is for any and everyone. And what's interesting is the ones that accept the invitation are the marginalized. It's the ones that are blind and lame and crippled. They say, let's go invite them and anyone else. Go searching for people. And I think right now, God is searching for you because in this moment, we are trapped in our homes. Let's just call a spade a spade, okay? We can't go out to Easter brunch. We can't go to the beach. All those things have stopped. We can't even go to our family's house and have a big Easter, Easter egg hunt and Easter lunch and all that stuff. We're stuck in our homes and God is looking through the hedges and behind the bushes into our living rooms and he's searching for you. And he's saying, there's a party going on and I want you to come. Don't make the excuse. Stop making excuses. I'm calling you 
as you are in this moment, and I want you to know that I've torn the veil, and I want you to come into this most holy place, you as you are, don't worry. I'm not asking you to be someone else. I want you to be who you are. That's what Jesus dying on the cross and being raised again is all about. There is a party going on. There is a major celebration and God saying, I got a place for you right here. Are you gonna make an excuse? Are you gonna say yes? I'm gonna say yes to the invitation. Which one are you? Ephesians 2 verse eight says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from, from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Listen, I'm gonna beat this drum for as long as I have to. It is not about what you have to do to earn salvation. It's not about what you have to live up to. It's simply about saying yes to the invitation that is put before you today. God tore the veil by putting his son on a cross and dying the most brutal death known to man. But it didn't end there. Jesus was raised from the dead in no sealed tomb, no linen cloth could stop him from proving his love for us. And God wants us to come to this party, to this celebration so badly that he didn't let our own sin stop us. He put his son on the cross and he tore the veil and he said, it's open for everybody. The invitation is for everybody. And I don't care what you used to say about me. I don't care what you thought about me in the past. If you are coming home, I'm gonna throw a celebration for you. I don't care that you wandered off. I don't care that you didn't listen to my voice before. I don't care. It's about now. It's about right now in this moment. So stop thinking that it's up to you because all that says is that my son's death wasn't enough for you. And it was. Jesus's death was enough for you. So are you gonna make the excuse or are you gonna accept the invitation? It's as simple as that and it's as real as that. But don't put it off. If we've learned anything through the season that we're in, it's that we can lose control really quick. We can lose control really quick. So let's not waste another moment. Let's not make another excuse. Let's receive this gift. Let's receive this invitation and walk through those doors and join the party that is happening in heaven. And I'm telling you right now, it is the best decision that you will ever make. You will feel more like yourself than you ever have before. God is not a God of condemnation, of guilt, and of shame. He takes us where we are at. He takes us right where we are at. And he says, you're mine now. And those things that you were struggling with, those are my struggles now. Those things that you were ashamed of, those are mine now. And you don't ever have to walk in shame or in guilt ever again because I've covered them. It is finished. Those things are over and you are a new creation now. The old is gone and the new is here. I wanna give us an opportunity this morning to accept the invitation. To accept the invitation. If you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we're gonna give you that opportunity right now to pray that prayer that will change your life forever. And I'm telling you, you might think, I don't get it. This doesn't make sense. Well, the love of God doesn't make sense for us. It is bigger than we could ever imagine. 
The love of God brings a man back to life and gets him out of a tomb before the stone is even rolled away. It doesn't make sense. If it did, it wouldn't be Jesus. If we could understand it, it wouldn't be God. It's too big for us. All we have to do is receive it in belief. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That's it. So I'm, gonna, I'm done talking. This is the moment. Why don't you just pray this prayer? Repeat this after me. Let's bow our heads. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you lived, that you died, and you were raised again, all for me. And Father, right now, I ask that you would come into my heart and be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Make me new today. And thank you, Jesus, for finding me for bringing me home. I accept the invitation. Thank you for letting me join the party. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. If you said that prayer for the very first time, please, please call us. Let us know. Email us if you want to. You can call us at 904-241-4211 or you can email us at info at beacheschapel.com. And all we want to do is know how we can pray for you and, if, and answer any questions you might have. Okay, that's what it's all about. But know this, know this, that the scripture is true. And if you prayed that prayer, there is a party going on in heaven. God's saying, everyone, look, look, my child is back. Let's throw a party. Be for you. That's how God feels about you. I want to end, end the service today by taking communion together. And we're going to celebrate again. This is, this is a moment of celebration. So why don't we, if you have your, your bread and your juice ready, let's just gather and let's just pray right now. Father, thank you so much again for the sacrifice that you made. Father, for your body that was beaten and broken and bruised. Father, the, for the humiliation that you endured on the cross all for us so that we could have Sundays like this, so we could have moments like this, God, but also so that we could have these moments every day for the rest of our lives so that we can always say over and over again, he is risen. Father, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your body that was broken. In Jesus' name, let's take the bread. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for the blood that was shed. You were the perfect sacrifice. You never sinned. You were spotless. You were blameless. And because of that, you were the perfect sacrifice. No more, Father, do we have to look to ourselves and say, how can I do this? You did it for us. And in that, the veil was torn and you made a way for us to go into that most holy place with God, not just for a moment, but every single day for the rest of our lives. Thank you, Lord, that because your blood was shed on the cross, your mercies for us then are new every morning. And we can go to you every day and we can ask for forgiveness for our sins. And we know that your blood makes us clean every single day, God. What we're celebrating now, that moment on the cross, is something we can, it, it's a miracle for every day. It wasn't just a miracle then, but it's a miracle now, and it'll be a miracle tomorrow and the next day. So thank you, Lord, for your blood that was shed. Let's take the cup. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. And Father, we just celebrate you this morning again. This is about you, God. It's not about what we can do. It's about what you've done for us. So we give you all the honor. We give you all the glory. And we give you all the praise. As God, our heavenly father, sitting on the throne, you thought enough of us to send your son to die for us. 
But when he said it was finished, it wasn't even close to finished, God. It was just beginning as he was raised from the dead, leaving a sealed tomb, all to prove his love for us. Thank you, Jesus. We love you and we bless you. And we say happy Easter to you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're gonna close this service this morning with a song called The Blessing. And as our worship team sings that over you, we're just singing it over your household that you would be blessed on this Easter. We love y'all. Thank you so much. Have a great, great Easter. We're praying for you. Stay safe. Thanks.